Good morning, Sleepy Town. I'm Bo Bartlett, and you're listening to The Art House. Art House Radio on 88.5 WCUG. Coming to you from across the tracks at 9th and Broadway in beautiful downtown Columbus, Georgia. The word of the day today is Dolce Sfogato. And the quote of the day today comes from Frederick Chopin. Simplicity is the final achievement. After one has played a vast quantity of notes and more notes, it is simplicity that emerges as the crowning reward of art. The purpose of art is to wake us up, and the purpose of Art House Radio is to wake us up gently. So, wake up, y'all. We are here with my friend and cohort, Matthew Moon. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing really good this morning. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. That's good. All things considered. <laughs> Um, We have a wonderful show for you today. We have um, the one and only Henry Kramer. Henry Kramer is the uh, distinguished uh, piano chair at Schwab School of Music here in Columbus. And um, Henry, welcome. Thank you. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? I think much better since it stopped raining. Yes, absolutely. Well, I did a little bit of homework. I, I read, I read about you. I went online and read about you and your Wikipedia page. And, oh, my new, and, my new Wikipedia yeah, page. and all of your many um, YouTubes. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry is an incredible pianist, and um, you've won many awards. Uh, some of which are—I'll introduce you with them. Um, the National Chopin Competition, the uh, Montreal International Competition, uh, the Shanghai International Competition, the Queen Elizabeth Competition, and in two, 2019, the Avery Fisher Grant for, from Lincoln Center. Now, um, th- these are just some of your um, awards, but can you tell us a little bit about your history and uh, uh, you know, everything from where you came from and how you got here? Where did you grow up? Well, I grew up outside of Boston for until I was 11, and then we moved to Cape Elizabeth, Maine. And that's kind of where my piano studies really started. You know, I, we moved, and I didn't have many friends, um, so I had a lot of time to practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at age, But I started when I was 11. Um, it's a famous, famously embarrassing story um, that I went to see Titanic and the movie and the james horner score inspired me so that i went home and i discovered i could learn to play it by ear and that's what prompted my my mother to put me in piano lessons and then upon moving to maine i found a really great teacher in portland and i was dead set on on doing it it was just kind of like a, a something that took took over my life um, at a unexpected time, yeah. Were there any signs that you had this dormant gift until Titanic? Oh, absolutely, yes. I, I was um, a very extroverted kid, and I loved to sing, and I danced also before I did music, and I played saxophone and drum set. Um, so, yeah, uh, I definitely had an artistic uh, bent from a young age and I actually painted and and uh, drew a lot when I was a kid and um, I don't think I was terrible at it mm-hmm. so there were all these kind of factors and then the piano ended up being the the one place where it kind of all coalesced when you were young and you were singing did you um, did, what was your repertoire did you sing pop things Okay, so I said 
once at a party um, that Whitney Houston taught me everything I know about phrasing. <laughs> um, so I basically only exclusively listen to female R&B singers. Hey, 90s. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, we probably should try to get a little of that into our mix today. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so if you'd like to hear something from that early phase of your life, uh, what, what would you say was your uh, a big influence, Whitney, Whitney Houston or something else? What would you like to hear this morning? Um, I will always love you. Let's do it. Okay, so let's let, let's hear that right now. Here we here we go. If I should stay, I would only be in your way. So I'll go. But I know I'll think of you every step of the way. And I
What a beautiful influence. Whitney Houston. So, you were 11 when you started to study uh, classical piano in Portland? Um, started in, in around Boston with a local teacher. Do you mind telling us who these teachers are? Is that something that is yeah, important to you? Or? Sure. My first teacher was named Eloise Holzhausen, who was a South African lady. And she was teaching my friend at the time and came to our house. And what was great about her is she let me play whatever I want. And probably, you know, if I had a really pedantic, responsible teacher, they wouldn't have let me mm-hmm. go into this advanced repertoire very quickly. But I was um, really wanted to play the pieces I wanted to play, mm-hmm. even if I didn't have all the tools. And uh, then when I went to Maine, my teacher, Elizabeth Manduka, was, um, she has a, had a great studio up there, and she was really connected nationally. And then I would be going to New York eventually to play for people. She kind of connected me with a lot of teachers. And then one summer I went to the Bowdoin Music Festival at uh, Bowdoin College in Maine, and that's where I met my teacher, who I ended up studying with at Juilliard. And we, I, I was going to New York my junior and senior years of high school to mm-hmm. lessons. But before that, I was going to Boston um, to have lessons and doing music stuff in the summer. So that, I mean, <clears throat> I think a lot of times people, whether they're artists, writers, musicians, whatever, you know, that they, they're, when they're young in high school, they, um, their experience is, um, you know, like I, I often, talk to people about whether they had like a normal experience, like uh, played sports and did all the social stuff mm. or whether they were sort of an, an outlier. We were last week, we spoke about Carson McCullough, who was uh, one to be a pianist. That was her first love and first goal. And uh, she got into Juilliard and uh, wound up not going because she took the money with her to pay for it and lost the money on the subway train. So she didn't go to Juilliard. Instead, she had what to get. What a tragic story! I know she had to get jobs, and instead there was nothing else for her to do creatively. She didn't have a piano, so she began writing. Wow. Um, but she, when she was in at Columbus High School here, she um, she actually uh, didn't go to school very often. She was really out of the social scene, and her parents just let her stay home and play the piano all the time. Right. So, how, what was your experience? As were you a normal teenager, or were were there? Um, Exceptions because out, of your outwardly, ability. I was pretty normal. And what the good thing about moving to Maine was it was a very small town and a very small school. Whereas uh, where I was growing up in Massachusetts, I would say looking back was a pretty toxic environment mm-hmm. that promoted mediocrity and shunned any kind of exceptionalism. Mm-hmm. So going to Maine was actually a really big blessing for both me and my brother because we were able, I think, to be more expressive and more. Uh, free to pursue what we wanted to without uh, the intense ridicule that, you know, teenagers can have. So I actually made wonderful friends there who I'm still friends with, even mm-hmm. after all these years. And um, I did, the my senior year, I tried to get a, a reduced schedule so that I, with the excuse that I was going to be auditioning and needed to practice. Um <laughs> So I was leaving school at 11.30 every day, but um, I didn't have the discipline back then to, and I didn't like being alone at home. Um, So I would end up just like sleeping or watching TV. (laughs) (laughs) And I I decided after a a week that I wanted to be where the people were and I went back to school. Um, (laughs) But I did cross country and I was on the swim team. Um. But I did practice a lot. That was, I think, and everybody knew that I played the piano. That was the first association with me. Um, but yeah, I, I would get up at four in the morning and go running, then practice two or three hours before school, and then after school, practice wow. another four hours. And um, I wasn't, <clears throat> I wasn't as uh, dedicated to my homework. Mm-hmm. I would say, right? Yeah. Were you uh, driven to, to do it to get better or was it just a love of doing it or um, what drove you or what motivated you at that point to try to strive to, I guess, to get better is the question. Well, I'm really impatient and I think part of 
one of the one of the things that initially drew me to the piano was taking a score with all these symbols and turning it into something intelligible. And I um, I think I was also motivated by this idea that I started late and I had to catch up with everybody. So there was sort of that feeling, it, but it was mostly just the impatience of wanting to apprehend a piece and mm-hmm. to have it. Let's take a let's take a moment and have a little music break. Uh, what do we want to listen to now? Did you did you want to introduce anything? Did you have a piece of music that you? Uh, we want to really hear some of your selections, not sure. only things you you've played, obviously, but uh, things that have influenced you and inspired you. Do you have something on your playlist that's inspired you that you'd like for us to listen to? I think the first one on there is an extraordinarily beautiful recording by the recently late Peter Serkin, who is I think one of the great musicians and pianists of the 21st century. And this is um, the second movement of an earlier Mozart piano concerto. Thanks. Our guest is Henry Kramer, and we're listening to Mozart piano concerto, Kershaw 450, second movement. Let's give it a lesson. So that was uh, Mozart Piano Concerto Number Fifteen. Beautiful. Um, now you hail from one of my favorite places in the world, and I've traveled a lot. But um, Cape Elizabeth, Maine, is one of the most beautiful places yes. in the country. Um, I first went to Maine in '85, uh, and I actually was invited to um, uh, someone's house who had seen my paintings in a magazine, and I. They lived in uh, Cape Elizabeth, 
So um, right there at uh, on the Sprague property at, at Broad Cove. Um, so um, does the... Did, does the natural um, environment of uh, of the area influence you, and do you have influences outside of music, nature, or any of the things that what what else inspires you? You know, it's funny. When growing up there, I just wanted to be in the city all the time, um, and I was so excited on the weekends when I would go down to New York for my. Um, I went to the pre college program at Juilliard, and as I've gotten older. Um, Maine has become this kind of island of ideal beauty and nature. And, uh, and I think if I look at where I have ended up, um, since my schooling days, it seems like I do carve out spaces for myself that are not, you know, I've lived in Northampton, Massachusetts, and now I'm in Columbus Um, So I do think that maybe part of me needs the quieter um, connection to nature Mm -hmm. and then the excitement of the city, you know, when, when it's time for that. But as far as for my work and practicing, I think definitely um, Maine can be very inspirational, although in the summertime, it's so beautiful that you never want to be inside. So (laughs) that's not good for practicing, but winter time it's dark by 4 p.m so there's nothing really to do and it's so cold so um in that way i guess it was very conducive to to work and um yeah maybe that the darkness of the winters there i think also was probably formative for me hmm. just uh kind of the absence of stimulation and i would practice a lot in the dark in our house and just listening to the sound um but as far as outside uh inspiration um i would say definitely uh i think there's an amazing uh connection between literature and music and also architecture or sculpture and design so i try to um be aware of those things especially when i'm traveling to make sure i go see things that are unique to that place or that could be inspirational Mm -hmm. that way do you have a favorite book or books that have influenced you um or that continue to inspire you yeah i would say um anna karenina is my favorite Mm -hmm. (laughs) favorite book yeah it's just an incredible sustaining piece I took yeah. a, a Russian literature class at Yale and I found that only after reading all of that could I really play that Russian music. Yeah. yeah I understood yeah. it so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when, so you, what was the order of events? So you, you, you left um, <clears throat> Maine and went to Yale first? Is that the way, is yeah. that the order? Uh, okay. No. Okay. I went to Juilliard <clears throat> for my undergrad and master's degree. So I was in New York for quite a, six six years and then i went to yale school of music um and i was in new haven for four years after that i did an artist residency at smith college in northampton Mm -hmm. mass which was my you know transcendentalist commune with nature and not very far from walden pond um and then i went to the university of missouri kansas city conservatory for a year and after that, I came here to Columbus. Wow. You, you've had such a rich life already, and you're just like in your <laughs> early 30s. You know, it's really I know, impressive. I, I don't know if you're, it's you're rich. Packing, packing it in. No, it's rich, yeah. yeah. Certainly a lot of traveling and moving. Yeah, yeah. But I think maybe the move when I was a kid prepared me for that aspect of this lifestyle. Because it was, I remember it being really traumatic at that young age to kind of upend the sense of home and uh but it's made me much more flexible now as an adult i think yeah yeah um well let's hear a piece of your music uh we will we, do you do you have a preference for something i i, I have a a list of my favorites but uh do you i think you should it? yeah play whatever okay all right well let's let's listen to henry kramer on on piano
That was Schumann's Nicht Schnell, performed by Henry Kramer and Matt Lippmann on viola. Matt Lippmann's coming to town, correct, Henry? Yes, no, I think next September he will be here to to work with violists at the school and also play with me. He's a dear friend, so it, it, very exciting. That's a beautiful piece. Mm. Thank you. I'm glad he's coming. Look forward to that. Um, so day to day now, uh, what is what does your day look like? You're in Columbus, uh, generally, uh, teaching at Schwab, and what does your day look like? It's very varied. Um, I do travel quite a bit because I still concertize and give master classes, so sometimes it can be very busy. Um, and I'm will swoop in one day a week to do all my teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but February was a very Columbus centric month. So my day to day, uh, I don't have a car. So I live like a 18th century person in the sense that my life happens in like a one mile radius of yeah. where I sleep. Um, so it's mostly just teaching. And by that, I mean, one-on-one lessons working very carefully and in a lot of detail on the repertoire that my students are playing. I also um, work with small ensemble groups with piano and strings. So with your own practice, what are your, I mean, how long do you practice a day? Well, it's very, it varies. Is that personal? I mean, there's some days I I just can't, teaching is extremely uh, exhausting. So Mm -hmm. If I even if I teach maybe four or five hours, by the end of that I feel like a empty vessel, and mm-hmm. I, I have nothing for myself. So, wow. uh, I try. I mean, I try to do three to four hours a day, um, and I do have a lot of concerts coming up, um, basically nonstop from March till next September. So, you know, there's also the the necessity to practice. But uh, it's always, it's it's a balance I've been working on ever since I started teaching of how to not lose my own practice in giving things to my students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Generally speaking, what advice would you have for a student who is, uh, whether they are an artist or a writer, a musician, uh, or you can be more specific if you'd rather about what you specifically, uh, what advice you give your music students, but to, to um, you know, to... to spur them forward and to move them forward into life and to um, a creative life. Uh, what, what advice would you have? I think a lot of people can have inspiration and talent, um, which are certainly components of a creative life. But I would say that, especially in music, humility is really important when you're dealing with these wonderful, wonderful creations. And that I think discipline is the most important thing and that you practice the muscle of what you do every day, whether it's writing or painting or music, you have to, the, the craft side of it, I think is, is paramount because you could be talented and that is great, but it's all, it's like my teacher at Juilliard always said, well, what do you do with that? And I think that, that's truly the um, key or the necessity to making a life out of it. It's not just to... Because a lot of people, only, especially in music, only see the result. They see the, the performance and experience the, the amazing music. But there's so much you know, kind of suffering that goes into making mm-hmm. it actually happen. And especially in piano playing, like it can be physical suffering like learning how to how to accomplish these feats to find relaxation at the instrument so i don't know maybe i'm a little masochistic which i think is a trait of a lot of pianists but (laughs) i i I feel like that the the constant dedication and and practice practice in the sense of doing it every day and seriously is actually life-sustaining in a way I think that's one of the things that I often think about in relationship to art, you know, visual art, because the thing I respect about 
classical music is the the discipline that it takes and the, the, the hours and hours of honing your skill and learning. Whereas often in um, art schools and art colleges, they uh, universities they um, kind of uh, promote a kind of de-skilling. You know, they don't don't want to encourage uh, one to uh, hone their craft. Instead, they want you to express yourself. Right. Um, and I think the thing about classical music and classical music training is that you, you learn that, whether you learn that first or you just learn that in general and then continue with it, but um, to, to let that be a foundation on which everything else is built uh, is, a, is a very sound approach. From yeah. Well, we're a little different in the sense that we're not, unless you're composing, you're, you're playing music by somebody else. I think that's where that idea of humility, but also empathy comes from. Because it's not really about expressing yourself. It's about um, relating this music and then it, the music becomes that vessel through which you express yourself. And I think our, like from my own musical voice, no matter what will come out just naturally in how I play. Um, but I learn ways of feeling and experience through the music of these great composers. Mm. Um, but it's, it is something that I think I, I struggled with this idea of like, Oh, well, am I an artist if I'm just playing other people's music? And I used to compose a lot when I was a kid. Um, but I'm actually, I'm actually okay with it now because I feel like there's a lot of, you know, artfulness in, in teaching and just the practice of what I do. Yeah, I've I, I wondered that and I was on, I wanted to ask that question. When I was uh, in Philadelphia, I was good friends with, uh, well, I was friend, friends with Ricardo Muti, the conductor, because mm -hmm. uh, I painted his portrait. And um, I asked him, I said, you know, don't you compose like on the side and not tell anybody yeah. <laughs> because you know the music so well, like wouldn't it be not that difficult to compose yourself? And he just sh shook it off and waved it off and said, uh, no, you know, like that, that's not part of it. You know, it's yeah. just, he just conducted the music. Right. Um, well, <clears throat> a lot of times people will ask me like, Oh, do you play other kinds of music or do you compose? And the reality of it is, well, the piano literature or the symphonic literature like with Muti is so vast and it could take several lifetimes to even um, make some kind of dent into it. And I, at some point you have to choose, you mm -hmm. know, you have to choose what you want to do. Right. And when I was younger, I wanted to write short stories. I wanted to paint. I wanted, you know, you want to find all these ways to express yourself, but... I realized that, you know, I could be a okay composer and okay pianist, but I would, I couldn't really be both. And classical music has become so specialized that even within the repertoire, it's like, you're not just a pianist, you're, you're specialized in French music, or you do um, prepared piano music, or you're an early practitioner. Um, so there's, yeah yeah you have to choose your game you do have to choose and <clears throat> and i find you know there's through others like through your painting or through seeing other art like that inspires me and to see that creative work and then um but my contribution is to to do this this repertoire do you have uh, I, I presume we all do you have short-term goals and long-term goals or your or your long-term goals something that you can uh verbalize and and or even formulate now well i mean my goal actually from a young age has always been to to be sat, uh sustained by a life in music and to, to always be in music every day i i think i do have goals in terms of repertoire i i'd love to play I would like to start um, working on all the Beethoven sonatas and the Diabelli variations. And I really want to go deep into Bach's keyboard works. Um, I commissioned a work by a uh, composer, Hannah Lash, mm -hmm. at, who's at Yale, asking her to write something that spoke to the piano literature of Ravel because I'm going to be recording um, some major works of Ravel and also this new work. Um, and uh, another 
Another goal that I, I'm actually kind of meeting now is that I've wanted to start a chamber music series at the Schwab School and Legacy Hall for some time. And I'm happy to say that next season, 2021, we'll start it with four concerts to, uh, throughout each semester. And we have some amazing guests coming. Fantastic. So that's really exciting. Um, yeah, I don't know. My goals are very much like, uh, it's not like, oh, I want to play there or, or for the prestige or whatever. It's like, I want to keep deepening my understanding of music. Or, you know, I think I wrote in my yearbook something like, I want to be able to play the piano every day and still have enough money to feed myself. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, you're an inspiration. You are an inspiration. Thank <laughs> Thanks, Henry. Um, now, just your humility and uh, the the overwhelming amount of talent you have in your discipline is all um, inspiring to not just me, but anyone who who experiences it. was Henry Kramer with Haydn's Piano Sonata in E Major. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, so, long-term goals. <laughs> long-term goals. Um, so, what I, what I did when I was young, I was in high school and I did this manifestation thing where I wrote out uh, where I wanted to be in 25 years and what I wanted to be doing. And I put it in an envelope and I sealed it and said, don't open till you know, whenever, 2000 or whatever. Um, if you were to do such a thing, uh, where do you see yourself way in the future? 
I'm not talking about short-term goals like losing 25 pounds which, <laughs> <laughs> and going to the Y, which is all awesome, and I'm right there with you, uh, but long-term goals. Um, I'd like to have um, a, a kind of some kind of festival mm. of where I can present and play with people that I that I think are doing interesting things. Um, I don't know where that would manifest in terms of place, yeah, but I've yeah. always gravitated. I'm from the Northeast and I've always gravitated toward New York mm -hmm. and Maine. Mm -hmm. So if those places were somehow figuring into my life prominently, I think I'd be happy with that. And uh, I would like to be performing still. Um, that's something I'm very, it's very sustaining for me. Yeah. I'd love to, uh, I love, I hope, I hope I'm, hope I'm here and can be there and go to that festival. Yeah. Uh, whether it's New York or in Maine or both. Yeah. Uh, hopefully I, I, I remember someone asked the Dalai Lama, what would make the world a better place? Like what's his one solution to the world being a better place? And he said, more festivals yeah yeah <laughs> definitely more celebration yeah more music yeah um so we we all have our uh creative inclinations and the the goal is to get the blocks out of the way and uh move forward in a in a creative way in life so that we can uh, make the world a better place because the the arts are the the uh, place where we can feel what it feels like to be fully alive mm-hmm and we can uh, share it with others and we can experience what others have done before us and are doing now and we can all be in it together <clears throat> may we may we all have the courage to uh develop yeah our inclinations and our talents keep exploring yeah and be lucky enough to have the right influences along the way to help us develop them um henry thanks for being here today Thank you. This is a great way to spend the morning. Yeah. And um, just I've, I've heard many great pianists over the years. My my friend uh, Peter Dobrin, I don't know if you know Peter from yeah. Philadelphia, The Inquirer. Yeah. I know him. Yeah, he uh, he wrote a beautiful review of, of your work and was just talking about how your um, personal, your uh, play, paying, playing is, how um, you bring something new to it. And I've heard many pianists over the years and... Um, I have to say, you are my favorite. Oh, that's that's incredibly flattering. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you, and thank you for being here today. And we're the Art House is honored to have you. Oh, honor is mine. Thank you so much. Thanks.
Thanks for joining us on the Art House today. We are so lucky to have had Henry Kramer with us. Pretty incredible guy, huh, Matt? Yes, um, I will say that everything he said really resonated. It was it's always an interesting thing hearing the mind of an artist. Even hearing what you have to say every week is always awe-inspiring.
if you get a chance, get into your studio and make some art today. Making art just makes the world a better place all around. Play some music. Write that story you've been thinking about. Art transforms lives. We're only here for a short time, Matt. Mm -hmm. It's just a blink of an eye. We go about our day, doing what we do, our daily lives. If we're really lucky, we might hear something or see something that inspires us to make our own contribution in the world. We have but one life. So let's live it and make this world a better place. Thanks for listening. Love and light, y'all.